Coming up, what an excellent day for murder. <laughs> Berkstead. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 60 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. So, our minute begins with Chris tucking her daughter in and muttering, God. And it ends with the assistant director saying, Burke's dead. Oh my gosh. This, this is this is the moment, folks. We we have been leading up to this moment right here. Uh, Burke has left us. He has died. And this is our first kill in our horror movie. So we've yes. had a death with Mary Karras, but this mm-hmm. is the first uh, time that someone has gotten pazoozed. Yes, right? They they have been thoroughly pazoozed. They have been pazoozed 100%, mm-hmm. right? Um, it would, well, it would be, what would it be? It would be one, 180, right? Because That's uh, right. Because his head all the way around. <laughs> so, so this is, yeah, the, a horror movie where there are no kills for the first hour. Mm. And it is usually thought of as the scariest movie of all time. And uh, that's just very different from how a horror movie would work today. That is fascinating. I didn't even really pick up on that the fact that yeah this is we have we have uh very few deaths here all of them mm-hmm. matter all of them have a lot of weight but it isn't like i mean we talked about it before it isn't like a michael myers uh jason Voorhees uh type picture where you know you just kind of like you're you're slashing your way through bodies mm-hmm. but it, like like keenan is saying even in a maybe like more dramatic horror movie This right here, an hour into the movie, is our very first kill. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Right. You would think – I mean like – and we were predicting before, Keenan, that um, probably this (sighs) requel um, (laughs) is going to start out with a kill, right? I imagine it has to. It has to, yeah. Because that's that's kind of the unwritten rule of horror films now, and they are going to make it a straight up horror. They're not gonna they're not gonna try to uh, thread the needle or you know like walk the line between you know this this drama, this supernatural detective story thing that Blatty and Friedkin were going to uh, or were uh, going for. Um, they're just gonna make it a horror. I can I can I can place all my money on that right now. Right. But yeah, so let's get back to my favorite version of The Exorcist, the one that we have right here, right? <laughs> um, well, actually, well, this is the version we've never seen, right? But, That's right. TVYNS. Yeah. TVYNS. Um, you're listening to TVYNS. <laughs> no, that would be a TV station, wouldn't it? Well, right. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're watching TVYNS. <laughs> we have all the howdies. Okay, so Chris finishes tucking her daughter in and clutching herself, she leaves the freezing room. She leaves with the door open. I'm assuming maybe to try to heat up the room. Uh, maybe the heat is running in the rest of the house. Uh, it's definitely not as cold in the rest of the house. Uh, mm-hmm. I also thought maybe she left it like that because she still thought Sharon was home. Did you get that feeling? She leaves that room with such purpose, like I'm going to go give Sharon a piece of my mind. And she heads down the hall and she turns right. And then we hear the door and now she's going the other way. So uh, did she think that Sharon was home and she was going to like that? That's where Sharon's room is. She was heading off to the right. Like, I'm actually just trying to get a sense of of why she left Reagan in such a hurry. Like the room is freezing. She tucked her in, but she left the door open. And and like, wouldn't you want to, I don't know, take her out 
of the the freezing room. Oh, maybe, but also, uh, you know, let her sleep. She's finally sleeping, right? She she has a problem sleeping. And oh, everything. that's true. Um, the question of where Sharon's room is or, or wherever that is to the right, we've never gone in there. That's really interesting. Mm. Um, I, I was asking a couple of episodes ago. No, wait, that's not true. Um, <laughs> many, many minutes ago, <laughs> what just aired was <laughs> that we were talking about the layout of the McNeil house and not quite sure where, where things actually are. Right. Um, and we had somebody, um, one of our, our listeners, send yes. us uh, a link to a recreation of the McNeil house. And yes. there were rooms up there that I hadn't been thinking about. And I think this is one of them. So hmm. we're very familiar with the downstairs. And then the upstairs, there's mm-hmm. there's it, it, because the house on the outside is um, the the ground floor is the same shape as the uh, the top floor. Right, right. So there must be stuff up there. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I guess Sharon has a room here. Yeah, yeah. And yes, I am so glad that uh, one of our one of our listeners uh, uh, sent that to us. I'm so happy about that. Um, uh, they uh, requested not to be named, but uh, you know who you are. Thank you so much. And I'm going to post that up on the listener group on the on the Facebook page so everybody else can uh, get a look at that. Um, right. I think that 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 the artist version that our listener sent us to is is sort of making some guesses. Uh, mm. But the downstairs looks exactly correct to me because mm. um, we do go into every single one of those rooms. That looks exactly how it really is. Yeah, I was looking and I can clearly make out it's like, okay, that's definitely Reagan's room. That's the that's the um, the infamous window. That's Chris's room. And you can see it's like from the door to Chris's room. You can see down the hall to Reagan's room. It's like that that part of it and that hallway that we spend so much time in is uh, is perfect. Yeah, right. Um, There's a question I have that I'll have to keep looking out for. But uh, I don't think we go back to the basement anymore. Right. Oh, Oh, wait, I think we do. There is that scene with Karis uh, down there and Chris and Karis are like, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, he, um, you know, you probably know as much about exorcism as most priests. And um, oh, you know. of course, I remember that scene. I'm an expert on the exorcist. <laughs> I have a podcast about it. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm an extrapolate and excavate. Oh, you know? yes, yeah. yes, yes. We've done all of this well ahead of time and uh, everything is planned out perfectly. Folks, this was all hands. scripted. He's reading the script right now. That was all intentional. That happened. <laughs> right. The other question that have well so when we get to that minute mm-hmm. that, that i totally know what you're talking about yes. we'll have to see like whether the um whether that shows the stairs and how it interacts with the stairs that go upstairs that's the oh yeah that's Good the question. only remaining question i have about that, mm-hmm. that layout right so you're talking about this the stairs that lead up from the basement or um yes exactly so okay. the stairs we've seen the stairs leading up from the basement but we haven't mm-hmm. quite seen how it connects to the rest of the house so, oh i know what you mean so yeah. so like like what's the room that uh, Chris uses, I don't know, I guess like another hooky stick pull down. Thing. Well, no, it would be <laughs> like it would be in the it would be in the floor, right? She I don't know. Go, I think it just might be a door. You think it's oh, like some, some storm door type situation? Oh, actually, no, no, no. What am I thinking? See, now it's my turn to, to feel stupid. No, of course, it would just be a door and then you'd open it and there would be stairs leading down, of course. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it, the the artist who made this recreation of the McNeil house says that mm-hmm. that staircase is under the staircase that Chris is using to go to the ground floor in the next uh, scene. Oh. But I don't. We don't see it. So I think that might be. Um, that might be another guess. So it's like well, a like guess. Okay, like a Harry Potter situation, like under the st- like that little area, that little. It, nook. it might be right because I don't think okay. we actually see the connection because I think it's on a different stage. Is mm. what I would guess. Well, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> This house doesn't actually exist. Right? This house does not exist. Exactly. Yeah. The oh, the exterior, you can go there and you can see it and everything. But but like the interior, like this isn't this isn't a house that like people live in. 
But, but all that, like for me, that just makes it all the more impressive that we are watching this thing and we are mapping it out so, um, so succinct, so succinctly. I speak on a podcast. Yes. (laughs) Um, oh, and the other thing that the artist of that drawing does really well, or that, that top down is we talked about when Chris goes into the attic and the attic, um, the, the, the rectangular opening into the attic Mm -hmm. is at odds with the floorboard. So they're diagonal. Oh, right. And the artist, the artist puts that into that where, where the opening is us is, uh, what at 45 degrees from the rest of the house. So. Oh, I do like that. Very oh, okay. good job, artist. <laughs> Excellent work, Mr. Artist. Or Mrs. Artist. Excellent work, artist. There we go. Hooray for art. Yes. Art, yay. Except you, AI art. Fuck off. <laughs> we hate you. Yeah. Um, okay, but yeah, so we're back at this minute. Um, now, but before we follow Chris downstairs, I also want to talk about this music here blending seamlessly in with the wind from before. Uh, but of course, now we've closed the window and that noise is still there. That's a really subtle and creepy effect. I really like it because you could take it as like, oh, the, you know, the, that, that noise that we're hearing is from the outside. And mm-hmm. as soon as she closes it, it's going to be gone, but it's not gone. It's, it's in the house. Right. Right. Um, And apparently this is another part of polymorphia. Um, It's actually been going on since the uh, since the last minute, just uh, a little bit before uh, the appearance of Captain Howdy on the on the stove range up there. Right around where, where Chris says uh, share. Uh, so it's been a nice buildup as we ascend those steps. The music has been ascending and we discover the window and we walk back out of this freezing room. Um, and one more thing <laughs> before we head downstairs. Um, I want to talk uh, about this this feeling. I, I don't know, Keenan, if there's a name for it. I can't think of other instances where it might pop up. But Chris was literally just in the place where Burke died. She literally closed the window that he fell out of. And of course, we fell? don't know. Fell? <laughs> fell? Question mark, question mark, question mark, explanation point. Um, my, my, my teacher blood is boiling with when it, whenever students do that. But, um, <laughs> and of course, we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. But we're going to find out in the next couple minutes. And we get the news and we're like, oh, my God. We were literally just up there. We were standing where he was standing. And again, right. I, I can't think of a name for this except like a delayed chill. <laughs> like we're not in that place anymore, but it's so recent and so raw that we like shiver a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. I was mm. I was thinking about that because uh, we've talked about that a, a briefly before. I was trying I was trying to find that word for it, and I couldn't find it. And I was t- I didn't know how to quite you know Google it. Um, that feeling of having been someplace where terrible things have happened, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or like you know going to the Auschwitz Museum or something terrible like right. that. Like like oh my god, or um, or Salem, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh geez, I couldn't find it. Um, mm. But there, there must be a, a language that's older and smarter than ours <laughs> that has like a word like you know like how German has like Schadenfreude, right? There, there's got to be, yeah, yeah. right. Well, I, I found some other words that you might oh. be. So I, I I couldn't find the one that that we were looking for mm-hmm. but i found a bunch of sites that were like uh, here's a, a words that we uh, that describe feelings we all have but you don't know what they're called Ooh, okay. <laughs> so let me let me um let me find some interesting ones here for you so and folks the lights are on a timer in in my studio right now <laughs> and they have just gone out oh so my god just just letting you know <laughs> creepy um so i don't know where some of these have come from some of them look foreign to me um mm. like loan words and some of them don't but yeah 
So Sonder, this one came up a lot, S-O-N-D-E-R. Oh. Oh. The realization that each passerby has a life as, as vivid and complex as your own. Oh. Have you exp- I've experienced that every once in a while, just like, oh, go. Yeah, it's it's that weird kind of like moment of clarity. You're walking around and you're like, oh, like all of these people, I think, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm like giving myself away as like a sociopath or something like that, <laughs> but like – I, I think I can safely say that that most of us, without meaning to, I think mm-hmm. we walk around kind of like imagining that we're the main character and Absolutely. like everybody else is like, I, it, like even the kids use it today. They say NPC. Right. That's know? what I was going to say, right? Yeah. They say sometimes um, I feel like an NPC in my own mm-hmm. story is what yeah. the kids say. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but like most of the time we're like, we feel like the main character and then we get these like little flashes of like, oh yeah, like, like they're like, like that, that person that I just passed by in the street, like they're going to go home. They're going to have a life. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Or it's going to be bad or it's going to be boring or it's going to be like, you know, like, like just as filled as mine. And that's, and, and then of course the next thing you think is, oh, every single person is like that. That's like my brain can't contain all of that. Right. Right, Absolutely. Hmm. All right. I have one more. Okay. Enomwa. It looks like denomwa, but without Uh the D at the beginning. So E-N-O-U-E-M-E-N-T. I'm assuming it's French because it's such a Frenchy sort of idea here. Yeah, yeah. Enomwa, the bittersweetness of having arrived in the future, seeing how things turn out, but not being able to tell your past self. Ooh. (laughs) See? Very French, no? Yeah. (laughs) Like the It Gets Better campaign for for teens who were being bullied or or queer teens, right? Like, oh, but you can't tell your past self it got better for yourself that you're doing well now. That is the tragedy. (laughs) Of knowing that it will get better, <laughs> but being powerless to do anything. Powerless as we always are. We are all small and powerless. <laughs> that is life. It's like, all right, this is one I'm sure that you have. I think this is what everyone has. It, okay. It's um, Juska or Yuska, J-O-U-S-K-A, a hypothetical conversation that you compulsively play out in your head. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's just, that's my normal thoughts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I need some anti-Yuska in, in my head. Yeah. Anti-Yuska came over and she brought the Cardiograph 9000. <laughs> oh, I should have, uh, this website isn't particularly well organized. This one is is the sort of maybe opposite of um, the Enamuel, which um, is mm. the, the idea that you can't tell your past self about the future that you're living in. Um, so this is ellipsism, E-L-L-I-P-S-I-S-M, a sadness that you'll never be able to know how history will turn out. Ooh, okay. I've talked to uh, a mutual friend of ours who wanted to be an astronaut, and uh-huh. then in in like middle school, hit the uh, the height requirement. He was too tall. Oh, <laughs> you know? and yeah, he still wants to be an astronaut, and um, you know, I I think that that that's part of that. Like, oh God, you know, we'll never know if we get to Alpha Centauri or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> Keenan, you're you're thinking of all the you're giving me all of these wonderful new ways to talk to to describe me being depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think these are things we already have, right? Yes, but that we yeah. Just, yeah. But now I, now I can call them things. <laughs> All right, these are so good. I, I, let me, I, I'll, I'll wrap this up, though. I have, I, okay. have, I have one more, and then the one that's the closest to the thing that you were talking about in The Exorcist. So, okay, cool. Okay, this looks like a, a, a German word, perhaps, of Vemodelen, hmm. V-E-M-O with an umlaut, D-A-L-E-N. The frustration of photographing something amazing when thousands of identical photos already exist. 
Say that again. <laughs> so the frustration with taking a picture of the Taj Mahal or the Grand Canyon uh-huh. and going like, wow, that is amazing. I made that. But you know that this has ex- people have taken that exact photo already. Wow. And they've already made this. <laughs> it sounds, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, like because it, it sounds like maudlin, right? Uh-huh. Which is like, you know, self-pityingly or tear, tearfully sentimental, right? Right. The um, maudlin, yes. Yeah. And the maudlin, which is like. It's like I made I made this 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 would be oh Carl goes to um he well, goes Disneyland to, goes to Disneyland <laughs> and he's with Willie and it's their anniversary and of course Willie is the one who picked a Disneyland right um, but at the like 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 near the end right like near the climax this would be this would be a whole another film right um Carl Carl you know cracks a smile he's like on the teacups and he and he and he looks at <laughs> Willie and he looks at Willie and Willie's hair is is you know like like blowing in the in in the wind as the mm-hmm. as the teacups are spinning and he sees her uh, like for the first time in 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 years the way that he saw her when he when he first met her and it's all this happiness and and this joy and he just cracks the slightest little <laughs> smile right mm-hmm. um but then as soon as the teacups slow and stop he's like oh well that feeling is gone now <laughs> We will never be on that moment again. Yes. <laughs> Time is fleeting. <laughs> Madness takes control. <laughs> oh, but Carl, perhaps we can go and get a churro. They give me indigestion. <laughs> Too many crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> the crumbs will bring rats. All right. This is the closest I could find to the mm. feeling that, that you're describing by looking at the exorcist and being in a place where murder just happened. Yes. I, this is not it, but this is the, the closest one I could find. Mm. So, Kenopsia, K-E-N-O-P-S-I-A, mm. the eerie, forlorn atmosphere of a place that is usually bustling with people but is now abandoned and quiet. Ooh. So that we experienced with the pandemic. I, I drove up yes. and down the Las Vegas Strip <laughs> during lockdown, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. to see what that was like. And there were people yeah. riding bikes down the strip, which was very strange. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, we're like riding a bike on Hollywood Boulevard or something like that, you know. Or, yeah. Yeah, or down Broadway. Oh. That's at the I I like unless I'm wrong that's that's at like the the core of like a good haunted house oh, yeah. atmosphere mm-hmm. you know right. because it's like a home is you know supposed to be filled with people it's supposed mm-hmm. to be um uh, uh full of warmth and life and you know or you could do the same thing with um you know a hospital mm-hmm. or a you know a school or something like that right yeah or i worked at the uh i worked at a target and the first time that i worked w- after it closed it was like oh how creepy this is right yeah folks um i mean wow this is this is this is so weird and meta um <laughs> but so i'm not recording from home right now i'm actually Ooh. recording at my school uh in uh in my in my little studio in the school and i am the only one here oh or are you yeah like oh, or or am i right question mark question mark question, question mark. mark exclamation point <laughs> dot 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 um but no like and and because the lights are on a motion sensor and a timer they they, they occasionally click off and then i have to get up and i have to run around <laughs> so they're like oh somebody's here yeah. um it's the most disturbing when the classroom right next to me has the lights turned back on. Oh, I don't know why. Geez. Yeah. So if anyone has the has the term or can find the term for what that's like to be at a place where 
where something horrible has happened. Like, a, yes, a haunted house, we sort of have that feeling, but um, mm. like even in a brand new house that you've never been in, uh, where people have definitely not lived and died there, you can get that feeling. But right. Yeah, but it's, I think it's something different. It's like, n- not like, oh, something creepy could be happening, but something creepy actually did happen here for sure. Yes. Yes. And and I would go so far as to say, Keenan, this one is even a little bit more removed from that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not it's not like this is like like oh a murder happened here many years ago, but don't worry, like you're completely safe right now. Mm-hmm. All the dan- like everybody who was involved in that murder is is all you know long gone. This right. is like she drove up mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. the ambulances, she passed it like as it happened, right? right. And it's almost it's almost like. I, I know this isn't the case, but like it's almost like she avoided she avoided the danger. Like like danger just happened, right? And is well is is literally sleeping in that bed <laughs> as she tucks it in, right? But it's like she's she was so close to like a sleeping snake, you know, that just mm-hmm. bit somebody, right? And it just like I don't like it, it. It is that like she was standing in the place that he was standing, but also it's like. It, it's just so recent. It literally just happened. And, mm-hmm. and she's like moving and touching things in the place without knowing like what literally just happened. Right. And in her next minute, she's going to be piecing it together that she was, you know, that she was in that spot, that she saw the ambulance, that she was touching yes. things, that, that the last person to touch was Burke. Yes, yes. Right. And oh, my God, that is like I can't wait to, to talk about that bit of acting right there. Oh, my right. God. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, OK, so um, we cut from there. Uh, and we are now uh, downstairs looking up as Chris descends the staircase in a state of high agitation. She is mad at Sharon for apparently leaving Reagan all by herself. Is she crazy? The window's wide open. Her room is freezing. Sharon is genuinely confused here. Didn't 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 he tell you? Didn't who tell me? Burke. What's Burke got to do? What's Burke got to do? <laughs> got to do with it? Right, no. I was going to correct the way you were saying it because you've left out that Sharon has come home sometime when when uh, Reagan or when uh, Chris is looking. But I think that's the feeling that we get, right? Like Chris goes mm-hmm. out of Reagan's room, looks for Sharon, turns around, and then we we never even we don't hear the door open, right? We don't hear Sharon saying like, "Hi, oh, Chris, I'm home" or anything, right? Wait a minute, no, actually, I think you are right, mm-hmm. Keenan. I think I think as she's walking out mm-hmm. of Reagan's room, there is like a door slam. Right, but that, that no, no, I'm trying to support the, uh, I'm not trying to correct you. I'm saying like, like that's sort of the feeling that we get, right? Like she's like, Sharon, where the hell? Oh, there's Sharon all of a sudden. And like, it's just this big whirlwind that Chris is on, right? Like she's not like, like um, realizing necessarily, like it all feels like, like it's happening all at the same time. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like, like yeah. she's she, like, as it's happening, she's mm-hmm. piecing it together. She doesn't even right. have any time to, right. to, to process it. Oh my right. gosh. It's like, yeah. oh, you left, oh, you know, Sharon, where are you? You know, the, uh, the microwave's going crazy downstairs. Yeah. The fridge is, it's like that scene in the Brave Little Toaster. All the right. appliances are, yeah. are going nuts. They're celebrating. The people are gone. My go up there. My daughter's freezing. This damn window I'm always closing is uh, open again. And mm-hmm. I look in your room and you're not there. And now, oh, you've been, at, you've been out somehow. What the hell? Sharon, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's still a Captain Howdy face on the range. Like I told you, I told you to Windex that off. Come on. Right. It's all one big thing. So she's, yeah. she's already pissed off. And then every, every room that she goes into is just another thing to be pissed off about. Yeah. And again, folks, we got, we got to um, uh, forgive Chris here for, mm-hmm. for being agitated again. Like, like we're talking about um, this kind of like being the parody of Chris McNeil is like just always high agitation, but mm-hmm. like literally like, look at, look at everything that just happened. Like, like all of this, try to take all of that in. She, she just came home from the doctor who says, I don't know what to do. Let's mm-hmm. take her to a psychiatrist. Right? right. And then, you know, she passes by this ambulance and then now she's looking for, uh, she's, she's, uh, looking for Sharon because the window's wide open. It's freezing in, mm-hmm. in her daughter's room, like all of this crazy stuff. Right. 
So yeah, so of course she's going to be a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit ticked off. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently uh, there wasn't anybody home. Um, so when Sharon uh, went to get the Thorazine, uh, she had Burke stay with Reagan, and we can see <laughs> before she even finishes her explanation, we can see exactly <laughs> what Chris thinks about that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, Keenan, that has me wondering, like, on a good day, when Burke isn't drunk or dead, um, <laughs> how do you think he is as a babysitter? Right. Those, like, are, we, those are Burke's best days when he's not dead. <laughs> when he's not dead. I would say this day is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> He's sitting, he's sitting outside in a lawn chair, right? He's got his, he's, he's got his little martini, right? He checks his pulse. He takes a deep breath and he's like, it's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> my neck is on right. Mm-hmm. I got my head on straight. There we go. Boom. Oh, yes. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, like we see Chris's reaction here as soon as she realizes that that's what happened, that, mm-hmm. that Burke was left to babysit. And even Sharon realizes it halfway through like she's speaking. She's like, oh, I should have known better. <laughs> so <laughs> how many times before this has Burke babysat for them? To bo- uh, for both of them to realize that this was a dumb idea. Like, like what did he do in the other babysitting sessions? <laughs> I, like, I can, I can see him being like, now come along, Reagan, we're going to educate you in the history of film, right? And he, and he ends up showing her something with a lot of violence, like, I don't know, like Psycho or something, right? And then mom finds out, right? He's like, uh, you know, oh, Uncle Burke says Hitchcock is a cunting hack. <laughs> Yes, he probably would not like Hitchcock very well. No, because he he everyone else likes Hitchcock. He's a contrarian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one guy who doesn't like Alfred Hitchcock movies. <laughs> Wears a fucking tie while he's directing. <laughs> um, or or they're, they're watching like a World War II documentary and Burke's like, you see there, that's Carl's father marching there. Be sure be sure to ask him about it later. Right? <laughs> he, he loves talking about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, here's, here's my question for you is, if okay. you're Sharon, would you rather leave Burke to uh, watch Reagan or to go and get the drugs. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is he going to be most reliable at? Oh, da- you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> right. He's not going to come back with any drugs. <laughs> right, exactly. He's going to figure out some kind of off-label use for Thorazine. Yeah. Whatever that is for. Zorathine. <laughs> Yes, I invented a new a new drink. <laughs> it's six, what was it? it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, like yeah, like he goes out. <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, that's that is a good question. But <sighs> it's like those logic puzzles where you have to cross the stream, and you mm-hmm. have a what do you have? You have a fox, a, a chicken, and a. a a stack of grain, right? Yeah. You have to, <laughs> you have to go across. So you can't right. leave the chicken with the fox, and you can't leave the chicken with the grain. You have to supervise them. So you could leave the grain with the fox, right? Yeah. Okay. So what is this? What is okay in in the in the exorcist language? This is you're trying to cross a river, um, trying to cross the Washington River. Is that what it is? The Potomac. The Potomac. Yeah. yeah. And you got you got Burke, you got Reagan, and you got a bottle of gin. <laughs> Right. You, can, you obviously can't leave Reagan with a bottle of gin. Right. Um, you can't leave Burke with a can't bottle of gin. Can't leave Burke with a bottle of gin. No, right? no, 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 no. So you have to leave Burke with Reagan together. Sharon's right. Yeah, there we go. See, she did. You know. <laughs> Look, I took these theoretical uh, uh, exams and, and I came out I came out 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for Sharon and she's one of the most interesting characters. Oh, um, God, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know um, – as I get older, right, and the world becomes more of a uh, 
a post-capitalist hellscape, right? You, you're, aware, you're aware of this, right? <laughs> I, have, wait, you been following, have you been following this in the news? That What? <laughs> question mark, question mark, exclamation point? <laughs> yeah, that the world's going to become uninhabitable because of uh, capital, right? I'm not mm-hmm, sure if you've... Mm-hmm. Uh, you realize that yeah so, <laughs> late stage capitalism <laughs> right so as i'm getting older I'm, I'm becoming you know much more um much more at least marxist in my thoughts like as like looking at the world through class and especially movies and literature like a marxist critic isn't necessarily mm-hmm. um a critic who is a socialist but but is looking at a movie to, you know with class in mind and so mm-hmm. this time watching it um I, I've been struck watching The Exorcist. I've been struck um, when Sharon is mistreated or when Chris mm. is mad at her. I'm much more sympathetic. To, I, I've always been sympathetic to Sharon, um, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, that's not cool. Even though you're going through your own thing, lady, <laughs> mm. <laughs> like this is your employee. Yeah, I, mm, dang. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm so I'm so sympathetic to Chris that it's mm. that it's hard. Like, like I I understand mm-hmm. that you know it's like that 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 Sharon. Didn't do anything wrong, right? Exactly. Like there's, there's she, she did absolutely nothing wrong, right? Like she, the reason she left wasn't to go, you know, um, play with the horsemen. Um, <laughs> it was, it was to go get the Thorazine for Reagan, right? right? Mm-hmm. So she was in the right. She had to go get the medicine. Right. There was nobody around. Carl and Willie were gone, probably at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, she left Reagan with Burke, probably because you know, that's happened in the past. They have a history like, like, you know, we talked about before, right? Like how, how Burke is, uh, very sweet with Reagan in, in certain moments. Right. Like, and and he is almost like a father figure to her, Mm -hmm. um, or an, or an uncle, right? Right. Like an old drunk uncle. Um, but yeah, a drunkle. Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, no, no. Um, for, for me, this scene kind of, uh, gave me the feeling of it's like oh no my, like my 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 two you know my my mom and my sister are fighting mm-hmm. like and i don't hate either of them like right. you know and 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 that i i don't know i maybe that's by design that we're supposed to feel like a little kid you know watching the adults fight and we we don't want to choose sides because right. like both of them are you know we love both of them you know mm-hmm. Right, but one of them is getting paid to be there. Is my point? Or That's else true. She, or she would have to go live in a stable with her boyfriend. Yes, in a manger. Yeah, <laughs> um, <gasps> they are the second coming. They're the second. Yes, but you know the the biggest indignity that mm-hmm. um, that happens to Sharon uh, mm-hmm. is coming up where um, Chris decides not to be in the sequel movie to The Exorcist, and Sharon has to do that instead. <laughs> 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 oh, you just take care of that chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm done with that. Right. You you go you go be in the second movie with um with my daughter. I'll be somewhere. I'll be on the Mediterranean with Howard. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh no. No. Right. See, this is why I don't want to talk about movie number two, because yeah. <laughs> Do you like pina coladas? There's oh, <laughs> two of them out there. It's just like they're, they're <laughs> They're toasting their martinis, their clinking glasses. <laughs> you, no. you know the pina colada song, right? Where they're um, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. where, where it turns out that they're cheating on each other with each other, right? Oh, oh, you didn't, didn't realize that? that? No. <laughs> oh, oh, well, the the um, yeah, the pina colada song "Escape" is about is about a guy who's who's mess who's t- done with his woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm putting it into his terms, right? And so he takes, so he looks in the um, he puts an ad out, a personal ad. Uh-huh. And that's what he says. Like, if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, et cetera. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then he meets, the, and then he meets the woman, and it turns out to be his girlfriend or his wife. 
Uh-huh. And then and then the song ends with them like realizing that they have these things in common that they like pina coladas and, they're, and they're both they're both like terrible people who would cheat on each right, other. Right, right. But they forgive. But they forgive each other because they <laughs> they like pina coladas. So how can- you're my terrible person. <laughs> right, they say anyway, that's the, that's the whole point of that song is that they get together and they're like, oh, if I had known that you like pina, if I had taken an interest in you and know that you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Etc. Then I would have, you know, our relationship would have been better. So wow. So okay. that's that's where they are in the extra sequels. Howard and, and uh, yeah. Howard and Chris are back together. Like, I, if I had known that you also like abandoning our child and leaving her with the help. <laughs> <laughs> and Keenan, the captain of that ship, the captain of that yacht, can only be one captain. Would there be anything else, Miss McNeil, Mister McNeil? <laughs> God. This is your captain speaking. We're uh, right at an altitude of. Wait, no, this isn't. I, I, I actually, I actually right have never done this before. I, oh god, you can make imposter the, syndrome. You can make the yacht like levitate like a, a foot off of the Mediterranean. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I've done it before with a bed. I mean, that wasn't, that me. wasn't me. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, so 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 you're you're getting a little bit more Marxy. Um, and yeah, I'm, a little I'm bit a little bit sympathy more... for the uh, yeah sympathy for the working class yeah. here. I see, I see, and I'm and I'm a little bit more grouchy. So <laughs> I think it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we went with our friend Ian Hinden as the Marx Brothers for Halloween once. You yes, and I, we and did. I wonder if there's any photos of that ever around. Oh, I there's got to be. There's I hope be. so. I don't know. We didn't do a very good oh. job of self promoting ourselves. So. No, no, and I don't think I don't. Honestly, Keenan, I don't think any of our like peers knew who the hell we were. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had to explain it a lot. <laughs> yes. But we did it in character. Yeah. Except for me. I didn't talk at all. Right. You were Harpo. No, I was just Groucho and I just was really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, like <clears> – <throat> so we're, we're talking about Burke here. We're talking about Burke's relationship to Reagan, the um, – you know, whether or not it's a, a good idea or a bad idea to leave him as the babysitter, right? And <laughs> it's it, – Wait, what, 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 what? It's not whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, just sort of like how bad of an idea is it to, oh. <laughs> to let Burke do anything? Like, like there's like a pecking order of, of bad ideas. You're, there, you, you are absolutely right. There is, <laughs> there is what no would you good leave idea. him? Yeah, what would you leave him in charge of? Yeah. I mean, a movie, apparently. I he makes so, right, really right, good right, ones. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, Burke, I'm going to put you in charge of making sure all this scotch goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then you know once once something becomes your job then all of a sudden it's not interesting oh, yeah. to you anymore that's, that's how you cure a burke of alcoholism it's like you cunting boar telling me what to do who do you think you are I'm not going to drink a single drop actually well, you know what actually before I go any further now that I'm thinking about it I think it 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 could work but it would be it would be Reagan who would be doing the babysitting. You know what I mean? Right. Like Burke would be just like Burke would be the kid in that equation, right? <laughs> and <laughs> Reagan would would you know come into the room. It's like Uncle Burke. It's it's um it's my bedtime, so I'm gonna go to bed. Um, <laughs> but I left some Hitchcock on for you. Um, I made you scotch. Uh, and uh, you know it's like I'll kiss you goodnight. And then uh, yeah, you know don't um. You know, don't don't get in, into any trouble. Don't fall out any windows. You know. <laughs> now, who's going to tuck me in? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you would say. <laughs> well, we're being really hard on Burke when he uh, he's, we are. he's dead. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, it, like it, it's weird. Um, we do get that scene in the book where Burke is super sweet uh, to Reagan on her birthday and, the, you know, the cake uh, and the shutting down of the whole film set to sing her happy birthday. So I don't know. I, I can see him also being really sweet. Like as much as we joke about him, he is a kind, sweet, gentle father figure for her and mm-hmm. an extremely close and loyal friend to Chris, like a mentor even, almost a father figure for her as well. Such mm-hmm. such an interesting relationship that they have, right? Like with, with half the time him guiding her and taking her under his wing, um, you know, and she gets to see his genius at work. And then the other half of it is, is her being like a mother to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see at the party when they're, when they're saying goodbye to him at the door, you know, and he's trying to say something and she's like, yes, honey, what is it? Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's this weird kind of like they hold each other up, they support each other. Um, and I also wanted to speak to Chris's ultimate reaction here to Sharon's leaving Reagan with Burke. Um, I don't know how else to put it, except it doesn't seem like she stayed angry about it for long. Right. Like, like Chris says, yeah, I suppose you should. Right. And she's, she's kind of like in a huff about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she's off to, you know, answer the door and they're off on the next topic about, you know, tests. And again, it struck me that like Sharon and Chris have this, you also have this unique relationship that's more than just, you know, um, employer and employee. Right. I think also that, that Chris just, again, has so much going on. Like we, we've, we've interrupted it to talk about what's going on in all these individual moments in these, you know, dramatic turns and, and what's being implied here. But, but Chris has started in this shot at the top of the stairs and is, is, you know, running down while she's thinking about her daughter upstairs, while she's thinking about the psychiatrist, while Mm -hmm. she's dealing with Sharon and then trying to figure out, you know, um, whether she should agree with Sharon or maybe even apologize to Sharon, et cetera. And then the doorbell rings and she just has to keep moving past. So it's again, one of these long unbroken shots that because we're just following where Chris is with our camera. We don't notice that we we've been in a rather complicated shot and she's just right. going off there. Um, yeah. I, I have a question for you um, about acting Lester as mm. my, yes. my <laughs> thespian friend. Um I had one of my students once, a good friend of mine, ask uh, you know about some advice that he had gotten in high school theater. Mm-hmm. I had a really good um, you know theater for the arts. Yeah, but he was so, you know he was sort of um, wrestling with this advice that he had gotten from his teacher, where his teacher said that when you're on stage, you should always be present, right? Hmm. And that sound that's that's good advice, I think. Like that, that's good. yeah. But but he was my student was quibbling and saying, well, but but what if you have a character who is not present in the moment that they are? in right so he was sort of like confused by that idea like like Hmm. how do you if like is that rule does that work for when the character is distracted or thinking about other things or the most important person to them that their objective is about is not in the scene you know yeah i think that's going on here but what do you think about that um that general idea of being present while you're performing that is a really good question i'm trying to figure out how um like I have an answer, but like I'm trying to figure out how I would explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that teacher, when that teacher said you have to be present on stage at all times, mm-hmm. right? Even when your character is like you know distracted, maybe they're you know maybe they're doing one of those Shakespearean monologues and they're 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 being very reflective, introspective, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're not uh, listening. Maybe they're um, like sleeping or daydreaming or or whatever. Um, I think what he's trying to maybe maybe let me say it like this. To be present in your distraction. <laughs> like to be present as the actor, even if you are distracted as the character. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that that's really what's going on here, right? She's like dismissing Sharon and and already thinking about other things. And she's going to open this door 
Which is Sharon's job, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Get get to work, you plebe. What have you been get doing? Get the damn door, right? <laughs> and that could be that could be. I mean that. That maybe speaks to you know, what we were just talking about, Keenan. That could be a perfect example of Chris is so distracted mm-hmm. that she doesn't even think. It's like, wait a minute, this is this this is your job. What are you <laughs> like? I just opened the door. Like, what are you doing? You know, um, because she's so she's so caught up in everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see, like, for me, I would prepare in that way i would be thinking of it's like okay i have to uh, like i haven't even updated sharon about the uh, what the doctor says what dr dr klein said mm-hmm. i haven't uh talked about that i'm still angry at her about the mm-hmm. whole thing and i'm, I'm not right. sure like it, if i want to come down from that or not right the, the doorbell's ringing god damn it let me let me just <laughs> you know like just instinctively i'm going to go off to the you know and answer the door because i want there to be quiet so that I can keep talking to Sharon. Right. Um, That's what's difficult about acting. Acting's hard. Not everyone can do it. Yeah. You have to pretend not to know, even though you know. (laughs) Like she knows what she's going to say. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like we got to, we got to, we got to go see a shrink. Right. Right. Like, but she's, she has to not be thinking about that until Sharon asks about that. Mm -hmm. Right. Her, her motivation for that, like a split second from, um, you know, uh, foot of the stairs to door is I'm going to go, I'm going to yell at Sharon and then I'm going to go answer the door. Mm -hmm. And then she asks about, you know, it's like, well, you know, what did the test say? We have to go see a shrink. Right. Right. Ah, yeah. So much stuff. And again, like just, uh, uh, all, all the praise, all the applause to, uh, to Ellen Burstyn for, for being able to do that. Right. right? In any case, right. (laughs) Neither of them seem surprised now that Burke is gone. Right. Uh, Gone. I mean, um, <laughs> that he's no longer here. Well, um, no, but but that he's abandoned the little girl. <laughs> that he has abandoned. The <laughs> like, well, of course, probably not intentionally, <laughs> right, of but, but you know. of course that would happen, right? Yes, it's like leaving your uh, John Mulaney says that like he realized when he grew up that his babysitter, who he thought was an adult, was like three years older than him. You know, when he was a oh. kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. he said, "Why do we do?" It's like leaving your. It's leaving leaving uh, the kids with a horse. Like, what yeah. can the horse do? Right. <laughs> it says there's money for pizza on the fridge. Here's the number of the restaurant. And you're a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, okay, so as all of this is going on, right, something else is going on, like we were talking about, right? This whole time they've been arguing, the doorbell has been ringing right. nonstop. It's like, oh, my God, well, this just like – like this this is another bother, just another annoyance, right? Mm-hmm. Chris goes to answer the door, still talking to Sharon about the difficulty she's been having with the doctors. They have to start looking for a shrink, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the popular term back then? Like – I remember, Keenan, you were talking in an earlier minute about people's attitudes towards psychiatry mm-hmm. um, and and how there was like a stigma and then it became a little bit more normalized. Like, but like yeah. she's the one who's who's saying, well, anyway, yeah. Like, like, what do you think? Right. She, she wants the psychiatrist. The doctors, the medical doctors have been the ones who said, no, 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 we don't need that. Right. Um, right. But yeah, this is sort of that turning point. This is where we're sort of in between, at least, uh, you know, as I can judge from culture. I'm not a you know expert in um in psychology, but like when you look mm-hmm. at movies, th- this is about where psychiatry starts to be taken seriously um, in the in the middle of the 1970s. But still, I think it's an easy joke to make fun of, um, mm-hmm. like uh, you know Spirit Airlines or <laughs> something like right. that, or <laughs> right, or um, even though everybody drinks uh, Starbucks or Starbucks style coffees now, it's still very easy to make fun of the mocha, noca frappa, you know, with extra right. foams, etc. So yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily um, is indicative of her not trusting them. I think it's sort of, you know, like, oh, um, 
you know, making fun of something while you're while you want it. And right, right. Um, it, yeah, the idea of a, of a sh- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it, like it's just the language of the day. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, and the idea of a shrink, I, I was uh, I, I happen to know this, that 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 is um, that comes from head shrinking. Interesting. So they would compare being a psychiatrist or being a patient of a psychiatrist to uh, the shrunken heads that, uh, you know, native tribes would do in Africa and Southeast Asia, et cetera. Um, do you know do you, you've seen those? I'm sure shrunken heads. Well, I've seen the stereotypes of them, um, but oh, I didn't yeah. know if that was like actually like accurate or if they were just being like really derogatory and horrible or <laughs> well i think it's probably both right because you misunderstand what's going on there and it's different each um each culture that would do a shrunken head right mm-hmm. so like uh you know europeans and, and americans would go to these um these equatorial native places and they would see that and they would they would use their uh their biases towards one culture and apply it towards all the different cultures but right sometimes right. they were warnings uh you know of other tribes are like oh this is something i'm conquered in war sometimes they were mm-hmm. religious sometimes they were like sort of semi-medicinal mm-hmm. um but yeah shrunken heads were, were a real thing so um uh that's where we get shrinking because you know uh, to be a shrink rather so right with right. a shrunken head you're right you have this person who has died usually an enemy but again not always and mm-hmm. you take them and you remove their skull and then mm-hmm. um basically taxidermy the the remainders of their head without anything in it so so it looks shrunken yeah so the idea oh. there with the psychiatrist is like oh that's the guy who's going to go in and take out my brain and and mess me and turn me into something else right right ay 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 and th- like very, very interesting that, um, you know, she's pushing for a psychiatry, mm-hmm. but then later on, she's going to be like, you're telling me to take my daughter to a witch doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we just like, like, you know, now she's using the term shrink right over here. Yeah. yeah. She might not know where that comes from either. <laughs> you know, you just mm-hmm. say these things, right? Um, yeah. But yes, I was thinking about the the psychiatrist on the Animaniacs, who I'm, I'm sure you are aware of. <laughs> oh, right? is it uh, Doctor Scratch and Sniff? Do- yeah, Doctor Scratch and Sniff. Right. Yeah, right. yeah I, I was thinking about that. So that's the Warner Brothers. They, they refused to call him a psychiatrist because there's a P in front of it. So they right. call him the P psychiatrist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking a lot about that. Like, I don't know. I don't think that that's a, a show for that for whatever reason has. Um, it's so impactful on people our age, but I don't think anyone like half a generation above us or below us even knows that show. Oh, I mean, like it's it it has a revival. There's like a reboot out. I none of the no, I don't hear about it from any of the, the kids. I, I have not like in the voice acting circles. I have. Oh um, yeah, and and like um, Rob Paulson, who mm-hmm. is the voice of uh, Doctor Scratch and Sniff, and <laughs> Yakko, and um, uh, the brain. No, 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 and Pinky, and Pinky, um, right. and and like a, a bunch of other right, and Raphael, the old Raphael um, from uh, from from turtles right he oh has a, i didn't realize that okay cool. oh yeah 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 yeah. and now he's like the 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 donatello in a new iteration oh. as well um, why do you switch him, from Raphael to donatello i don't know um <laughs> i'm sure they said it on uh, on the podcast mm-hmm. but that was that was actually like like when i was uh, living in hong kong that was the uh one of the podcasts that i was listening to that kind of like um you know lit a fire under my butt to you know come to la oh, and cool. uh, you know try my my whole voice acting thing mm-hmm. yeah so so folks yeah if you are if you are voice acting inclined uh, check out Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson, um, him and his his uh, his buddy Maurice Lamarche, uh, who, oh, who is the brain, who the is brain. Um, you know essentially, um, uh, oh, what is what is the brain's um, uh, the, the actual actor uh, Orson King, Welles, Orson Welles, <laughs> yes, <yeah>. yes, yes, <laughs> green pea soup, yes, um, <laughs> Mrs. Yes, Peel's his, green peas filled with yes. country sunshine and green penis. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> if you make a movie as scary as The Exorcist, uh, I'll go down on you. It's... 
All right. That, that, I hope people understand what we're saying. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure that put everything into perspective. <laughs> yes. Do some Googling on Orson Welles, the best. Yes. Mm-hmm. Director of all time, perhaps. Uh, yes. Very funny if you were alive, he would have he would have a podcast. It would be well, well, wells. <laughs> well, he invented all of this, right? Because he he pretty much invented the uh, the modern radio uh, oh, show. Oh yes, right? he, the did, radio he did the, the War of the Worlds and everything. Yeah. yeah, he was he was the shadow. Yeah, the shadow, the shadow knows. knows. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. So in any case, um, she opens the door and it's Chuck. Um. Is this the first time he's named? I think so. So we've seen Chuck, the assistant director, um, mm-hmm. at the party. He must also be in the beginning scene where they're shooting Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, right, at Healy Hall. He's, he's got to be, yeah. Um, and and this, this actor is Ron Faber. Um, he's done uh, a couple other movies. Um, but I would say probably The Exorcist is his, uh, his most famous one. Um, yeah, he was in Law & Order as well. Um, now, Keenan, was she expecting Chuck? Or something like she seems not surprised at all that she's that that he's here, right? Like, and also like, what the hell time is it? Like, I keep thinking it's late, right? But it can't be like too late. Like, she just came from the doctors. This must be like early evening, like six p.m. something like that. Oh, it certainly looks pretty dark out there already. But I guess mm. we're in the winter. Yeah, I don't think she's expecting Chuck, but I think it's more like, oh god, another fucking thing we have right hmm. but she's just like hi chuck come on right, here. yeah yeah of course you'd be here yeah <laughs> like like maybe this is like a routine thing like like it's like we're gonna go over you know uh tomorrow's shooting mm-hmm. like like let's let's meet for cocktails and you know it's like it's like oh burke's already here great awesome right maybe <laughs> he's like three drinks in um but yeah so like she's not at all surprised to see chuck here right almost almost as if she was expecting him it's almost like oh great chuck's finally here hi mm-hmm. chuck right and i started trying to think like what other reason would chuck have to be there you right? said would chuck <laughs> <laughs> so how much how much how much good oh can can, can a good chuck can a good chuck do <laughs> When Burke is already dead. Oh. <laughs> there we go. We did it. We got Brought it, folks. Brought it back down again. Yeah. Brought it back down. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do on the Exorcist Minute. Um, but yeah, so that's what I was thinking. It's like, it's probably like re- maybe related to filming or, mm-hmm. or, or she, or that's what Chris assumes, right. right? But you know what happens when you assume something, your best friend and mentor dies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she invites him in. And before she even finishes saying, come on in, she's like turned and she's walking down the hall to put away her coat. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck comes in and he doesn't really get a good look at Chris, but like he steps in and glances at Sharon. And then he says, I suppose you heard. And Chris is like, heard what? Right. She's she's still putting her coat away. Her own mind is still going a mile a minute like we talked about. Right. Like she's it, 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 even if Ellen Burstyn is pres- present, mm-hmm. um, Chris is definitely not present in this moment right now. Right. right? Um, but but maybe maybe something clicked. Right. She turns now to look at Chuck and Chuck realizes she hasn't heard. Um, and he does this thing. He, he takes his hat off almost like he's just heard some bad news. I really want to compliment, uh, Ron Faber here mm-hmm. in, in this little time that he has, he does a really, really good job. Um, but yeah, he, he, he takes his hat off almost like he's just heard some bad news and his tone and his expression are enough, right? They're enough for Sharon to pick up that something has happened. Uh, even before he finishes saying what he says, we cut to her and she has this look like, oh, something bad just happened. Right. And indeed something 
bad has happened, we cut back to Chuck just as he says, Burke's dead. And so there it is, folks. Now, because this minute is literally when we say goodbye to Burke. Bye, Burke. Bye, Burke. It was great knowing you. (laughs) Don't let the floor hit you on the way out. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Don't let the floor hit you where Pazuzu splits you. Uh, watch that step. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to read for us just one more little snippet from the book, which sort of just highlights all the Burkness of Burke. Um, this is concentrated Burke right here. It's actually from back when we first meet him. Uh, and Chris is on set, having just finished arguing with him about the script. Uh, they laugh it off and embrace, and then Burke moves on to antagonize someone else. And it is here that Chris uh, reflects on the man that is Burke Dennings. So here we go. A reading from the book of Blatty. He seemed to revel in his eccentricity. Yet, at a certain point in his drinking, Chris knew he would suddenly explode into temper, and if it happened at three or four in the morning, he was likely to telephone people in power and viciously abuse them over trifling provocations. Chris remembered a studio chief, whose offense had consisted in remarking mildly at a screening that the cuffs of Denning's shirt looked slightly frayed, prompting Dennings to awaken him at approximately 3 a.m. to describe him as a cunting boar whose father was more than likely mad— and on the following day he would pretend amnesia and subtly radiate with pleasure when those he defended described in detail what he had done, although, if it suited him, he would remember. Chris thought with a smile of the night he'd destroyed his studio suite of offices in a gin-stoked mindless rage, and how later, when confronted with an itemized bill and Polaroid photos detailing the damage, he'd archly dismissed them as obvious fakes. The damage was far, far worse than that. Chris did not believe that Dennings was either an alcoholic or a hopeless problem drinker, but rather that he drank because it was expected of him. He was living up to his legend. And there we go. That is Burke to a tea, to a bourbon tea. Mm. He is a mixed drink of Oscar Wilde and Dudley Moore, but so much more. I'd like now for everyone to raise a glass of their favorite beverage, whatever makes us more funny, in a toast to Burke Dennings, friend, mentor, father figure, director plot device, and comic relief in a movie that would otherwise be too sad to watch. Right. So uh, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be Blatty now that we know what Blatty is like if we lost one uh, comic relief without adding a new one. So Mm. within a few scenes, we're going to add Lieutenant Kinderman, who is a whole new comic relief character. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to bring us down too hard, but um, Jack McGrawen, the actor who played Burke, uh, actually uh, died right after uh, production was done. So as he had wrapped the film, he went home and um, and got a, a case of a London flu epidemic from 1973 yes. and died at the age of 54. So uh, he never got to see his biggest, at least commercial success, The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. And that 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 is a, a, a real tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's something that uh, that's very, very unfortunate. But he. He left uh, an impact on this film. He is, uh, and and yeah, like like uh, like you said, Keenan. Like this is this is a role um, that that we're all going to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, folks, that is uh, all of my notes for this minute. Keenan, did we 
Did we get everything? I think we got it. Okay. Folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. Uh, I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz. And you can find me on Instagram and Letterbox at Howdy Keenan. Our website for the show is TheExorcistMinute.com. We also have a Facebook page. So if you like us and you want to share us with your friends, you can head over there. Um, we also have a listener group on Facebook called Compelling Conversations. Uh, just request to join and we'll let you in. And of course, as always, if you'd like to leave us a message, our email is theexorcistminute at gmail.com all one word we want to hear from you guys what would you leave Burke in charge of while you uh, had to go and get some Thorazine <laughs> for whatever reason I don't know I don't, I don't know your life <laughs> listeners um, lastly if you like the show and you want to help us out the best thing you can do for a new podcast that's just starting out is to leave a five star review and that'll help other people find us and we can keep growing this cool community well, folks, I think there's only one way to properly close this out. Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Until next time, folks. The, the power, power of Jack, Jack McGowan compels you. you.